Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to HuffPost's brand new weekly podcast, Am I Making You Uncomfortable? Presented by me, Brogan Driscoll. And me, Rachel Moss. This podcast is a frank, honest conversation about women's bodies, health and private lives. Fearless, inclusive and empowering, we cover underreported issues and tackle topics you're too squeamish to talk to your friends about. Today we're talking about women's nipples. We'll be joined by Emma Lowe, an artist and creator of Put Your Tits Away Love, and Claire O'Neill, a nurse working for breast cancer charity Copperfield. You can join in the conversation by using our hashtag AIMYU, which stands for Am I Making You Uncomfortable? So (laughs) it kind of dawned on me when we were planning a podcast all about nipples that I haven't actually seen many female nipples in my 28 years on this planet, which sounds like a really, really strange thing to say. But obviously, we see nipples in TV and film. But I think somewhere along the line, I must have internalised some kind of shame or idea that nipples are private things. Because whether I'm on a beach and women are topless or I'm at a mate's house and they're getting undressed I almost like instinctively look away from boobs Mm. and particularly nipples and so actually because I'm a straight woman when I stop and think about it the only nipples that I'm well acquainted with are my (laughs) own and my mum's (laughs) which is so so weird am I am I a weirdo or do you get what I mean do you like how many nipples do you think you've seen in your life I really like the thought of being well acquainted with the nipple. It feels really formal. (laughs) I think I'm a bit the opposite, but I feel like that might be because I'm a kind of whip your boobs out kind of gal. Um, Inappropriate situations, obviously. But (laughs) having, um, (laughs) having like, I don't know, I feel like I've seen quite a lot of nipples. I mean, obviously I don't like stare at them. Like I sunbathe topless. I, I haven't always done that, but I, I've started to do that in the last couple of years, which is just so nice and liberating. And I don't know if um, if anyone can relate to this, but like if you've been sunbathing and then if you swim or if you get in like the sea or in the pool with no top on, it's so nice. Your boobs are just like, <laughs> blah, 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 and it actually feels really nice. <laughs> Maybe Free. you should try it. Yeah. Um, oh. But yeah, I'm definitely nips out. Mm, I am the complete opposite in that regard when I was younger like late teens early 20s was very self-conscious about my boobs I was quite scrawny I'm one of those people who like developed really late was always quite childlike Um, I think as well you know when we got magazines when you were a teenager Mm. and they said what body shape are you and it was like apple pear and then it was boy like (laughs) And I was always, I was always 
boy like which when you read that and you're 14 15 16 and then your mates developing massive knockers <laughs> you just you just feel quite shit about yourself and unfortunately no, yeah. I I think I did carry that through to my early adult life I'm late 20s now I'm 28 and I have managed to shake it off mostly it creeps up on me when I'm on holiday I think and other people a sunbathing topless and I just wouldn't yeah I like that people choose to do either like mm. I've been on holidays where I might take my bikini top off it's mainly like because of this is really vain but it's mainly because I don't want to like, have like strap marks and because of that lovely swimming experience <laughs> which I described earlier but um people like everyone seems to just kind of make the choices that feel good for them at least in the situations I've been in or um, what makes them feel comfortable but I've been thinking about obviously we knew that we were going to be chatting about nipples today so I've been thinking about them um, quite a lot and how nipples are like censored you never see like nipples in an advert you know you you could see like all around the nipple but you never see the actual nipple and the same with lots of kind of social media posts will be censored if you see the actual nipple so it's quite a unique area of the female body because we see so much and yet it's kind of hidden away and so we're kind of like robbed of our ownership of them obviously we're speaking a lot about body image relating to nipples because that is a big part of the conversation but also nipples aren't just there for aesthetic purposes they actually have a role to play in our lives whether that's you know breastfeeding when people become mums or also showing signs of breast cancer or other underlying issues so really I think you know just talking about them more is important because they have a function definitely we've been inundated with women getting in touch to share their thoughts and feelings around their own nipples I guess the first time I realised that I even had nipples was when I was about 10 uh, and getting changed in the school changing room. And one of the other girls was quite shocked by the appearance of my nipples and asked me why they were so dark. Um, This little girl in question was Swedish and very fair and obviously was just as shocked to see my nipples as I was to have them kind of pointed out to me. And I think that was my first realisation, not only that, that that felt uncomfortable someone else commenting on your body but perhaps also the one of the first realizations that I wasn't white and that was kind of one of the the more prominent markers of that as I'm a kind of white passing mixed race person um and I think that that experience probably did mean that I carried certain kind of prejudices towards my own breasts moving into adulthood had a quite a messy relationship and when that ended I got my nipple pierced on a whim just the one but it's one of the favorite things that I've ever done um it's massively improved my confidence and made me love all parts of my body so much more than I ever did before clearly such an emotional topic and I'm so excited to to get into it We're super excited to have Emma Lowe on the podcast today. She's an artist who makes clay boob pots that celebrate real bodies and boobs in all shapes and sizes. She runs the aptly named Instagram account, Pot Your Tits Away Love, where you can see her creations on happy customers' shelves filled with pens and plants. Um, So, Emma, tell us, how did you get into making pots with boobs on? Well, I started in 2016 as a present to someone else, actually, which isn't very feminist of me. It was for a man. (laughs) Um, 
who shall remain nameless. Um, uh, and then someone saw it and was like, oh, that's cool. Can I have one? And then I just started making more. And here we are four years later. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> so the pots for anyone who hasn't seen them, they are very varied in shape and size, colour, skin tone, everything you could possibly imagine. All different boobs are welcome. And I know that women can almost request a pot that's like their boobs. So how does that work? Can you talk us through the creative process? So for example, if I wanted a pot that looks like my boobs, do I send you a boob pick? Like, how does that work? Yes, you do. Oh, amazing. Um, So when I first started out, I was a bit unsure of how I was going to do it. Obviously, there wasn't really a plan. I didn't have any like marketing going on or any kind of branding I just kind of like rolled with the punches I always say that the pots are a likeness they're never going to be an exact replica and I think that's why people like them because it's quite nice to see how someone else sees you Mm. um and then how long does like each pot take to make um it really depends on how motivated I'm feeling and (laughs) there's there's like stages so I work with air drying clay which is not the same as ceramics so I have to build the pot and then I have to leave it to dry, and then I come back to it, and I'll sand it, then I'll paint it, then I'll have a top coat, and then usually I'll take photos for Instagram. So the process is quite lengthy. I would say Mm. from the initial sending of the photographs to people receiving their pots, it could be anywhere between two to four weeks. We were talking at the start about the lack of nipples that we see in our day-to-day lives because, you know, you catch cleavage all the time if people wear certain outfits but yeah. you never you never see nips they are hidden away but well, presumably if you do see them then it's usually like kind of an embarrassment like oh like yeah mm, you know what i mean there's like awkward moment of like oh you shouldn't have seen that or mm-hmm. even if your nipples are just like a little bit erect i think people get like quite uncomfortable about it which is funny me and my housemate talk about this all the time because obviously it's getting a little bit warmer now men love to just roam the streets without their tops on and we always laugh like imagine if we were doing that like people would be crashing their cars and like (laughs) lampposts and stuff like it would be we would be arrested I was saying earlier how I'm like a whip them out kind of gal on holidays and stuff I just love to be able to do that and it's like frustrating to kind of have them like super sexualized and you know it'd be a massive taboo to have to not be able to get your nipples out yeah. um i mean going on holiday that's like a really good point because you go to places like europe and everyone's like completely naked bushes are hanging out li- like hairy legs like no one cares like no one even bats an eyelid and the mere mention of a nipple here is very taboo i would say so you've clearly got quite like an open attitude to nipples and you kind of believe that you know we should be able to be free and kind of um express ourselves do you have you always had that is that something you've kind of developed that came in time with you setting up Put Your Tits Away, love? No, um, I grew up in a household where we would see each other naked all the time. And so for me, like a, a body is not a sexual thing unless it's in that context. Mm. Um, so I think that really helped me to, to not have as many boundaries, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, so definitely. I just kind of wanted to be I want people to feel as free as I kind of feel. I mean, I have like a very normative body. So for me to say like, I want everyone to feel how I feel is a little bit um, probably naive because I'm represented everywhere. And that was kind of the the whole mm. movement behind me making the pots was that I wanted there to be somewhere where people could come and feel 
more represented and celebrated and not necessarily have anyone tell them what they should feel about their body but just feel like oh that looks like me I can maybe be a bit more accepting of me. You're making a really interesting point and that's kind of what's so striking about your work and the way that it's presented in on Instagram is that we can really see the breadth of the kind of pots that you create and the and that message comes across really loud and clear I think. It's taken me a long time to get to the point where I'm at and obviously when it started out it was just kind of like women that I was doing it for but now I make pots for anyone regardless of what gender they identify as so I try to to not really although my name is like Potter Tits Away Love I don't want it to be exclusive to women because I think that is quite damaging to a lot of people and a lot of people don't really know what they identify as so maybe Mm. having a place to just explore your body and and just accept it as what it is maybe will leave like lead you to a place where you feel more accepting of yourself as a whole. You've worked with so many people. Have you got any kind of stories about the impact that your work's had on people? I mean, it it completely depends. Like everyone is so different, like mentality wise, but physicality wise, everyone's different as well. So some people Mm -hmm. will be really um, vocal about how they feel about their pot, like they love it or where they're going to put it or who they're going to show it to, or they're going to take it to work or just whatever. And other people just get it and never say anything ever again because it's really theirs to do whatever they want with it. Yeah, um, yeah. I just feel like it's their thing. It's their need. They want it mm. for some reason. And then when they get it, they can do whatever they want with it. Mm, um, that's really nice. the middle person. It's interesting that you say people order pots because they've got some kind of need because we've heard from a lot of our listeners who have um, a lot of body hang-ups to do with boobs and particularly nipples. Um, So we wanted to play you a couple of testimonials from those listeners just to to hear a couple of different views and see what you think about them. So this testimonial is from a woman who got in touch to tell us about how she's seen kind of a lack of representation representation as a black woman um, in kind of media and a lack of representation of what her breasts and nipples look like and how that's impacted her personally and how it's also impacted a particular relationship. So I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with my nipples because I've always felt like they don't really look like anyone else's. That's not to say that they're like in any way flawed. They just don't seem to be the kind of nipples that you see often like you don't see them in a great like renaissance painting or in an advertisement for a product or in a sex scene um on the bbc and that's because my nipples are like large and brown um you know like the kind that you find um on a brown or black woman's body the feeling that that lack of representation has created is like one of paranoia especially when I'm with a new sexual partner. I always feel like my nipples are some kind of big reveal. I remember a few years ago um, once I was at this guy's house in East London and we were making out and I took my bra off and he just stared at me, but not in the hot way, in a, like, confused way. And I said, what's wrong? And he was like, nothing. I've just, I've just never slept with a, with a black woman before. To which I responded, so? And he just said, it's just your nipples. They're not pink. So, Emma, obviously you have spoken to more women about nipples than most people. Are you surprised (laughs) hearing that testimonial that we've got through? Or have you heard things similar to that before? 
I'm not surprised that if you're not represented, then you would have some sort of like self-confidence issues. I think that's why when I started out doing the pops, I wanted to make sure that I was including bodies like that. I often feel like I may be crossing a line as a white woman, that I shouldn't necessarily be making money off of other women's bodies or other people's bodies. But then again, if I wasn't including everyone, then I wouldn't be staying true to myself, which is something that's important to me. So, I mean, I think it's interesting that that was the reaction that her partner had as well, because that says a lot, doesn't it? I just think it would be so much better if, like, younger people were taught more about, like, what different bodies look like, because that could have been so unavoidable. So, yeah, that makes me feel a bit sad, but also it doesn't surprise me. We've spoken a bit about sort of the mainstream representation of nipples, be that TV and film. Is there anywhere else you think these ideas of like good boobs and bad boobs come from? It's terrible, but I'm like an avid watcher of Love Island. And there was like a point where they were sharing cosmetic surgery adverts in the breaks between broadcasting Love Island. And I think stuff like that is super, super damaging. I'm For one, like people can do whatever they want with their bodies. If you feel like you want cosmetic surgery to live a more authentic life, then be my guest. It's your money. It's your body. At the end of the day, you can do whatever you want. But I don't think we should be actively encouraging people to alter themselves, to fit into a mold that's completely unachievable for most people. Mm. I think you, um, I think you hit the nail on the head there. We're going to play a second testimonial for you now. Um, it's one of our listeners talking about how her relationship with her nipples has changed since becoming a mother. I've always had a really difficult relationship with my breasts, particularly my nipples. I felt so self-conscious and uncomfortable. The thought of getting them out mortified me, but that all completely changed when I had my daughter and I breastfed her. Um, to the point that apparently when she was handed over to me, I just whacked my boob out in front of everyone, no problem to feed her. And it's completely changed how I view my body and view my nipples. Now when I look at them, I feel so much pride and love and just see them representing her and my bond with her. And just fills me so much joy and so much more confidence. That's really lovely. I think that like kind of spiked my interest as well because a lot of people feel a certain way about their bodies until they actually realise what their body's functions are. That's really nice that that natural instinct just like kicked in and, and she was able to just be like, this is what they're there for. It doesn't matter what they look like. They're fulfilling a purpose. Um, and I have had a lot of people who have contacted me and I've made pots of them who have had children and they've said that their breasts and their nipples have changed and they change throughout pregnancy and then they change to something else. And I think your body is just ever evolving with everything. You know, for me, I, I feel personally that it's just like you have to accept that you're human and humans are flawed in a way that makes you who you are. And that's quite nice. Mm. And we all have those that is a really lovely note to end on but before we say goodbye to you there's a question that we ask all of our guests who come on the podcast every week and that is what makes you uncomfortable in life anything we've had pantomimes we've had small talk oh great okay Uh, mine is emotional vulnerability tell us more Um, emotionally vulnerable I just absolutely hate sharing my feelings and I've realized quite recently that I am terrible at communicating them yeah that's something that makes me obviously feel very uncomfortable but I'm working on the fact that you've just shared it on a podcast is is I would say that shows that you know you're kind of getting over it a little bit well maybe (laughs) 
yeah thank you so thank much thank you so much yeah that was really fun Thank you so much to Emma Lowe for joining us. That was a really insightful conversation. If you want to follow her work, she's on Instagram at pot your tits away, love. It was actually my high school boyfriend who made me realise something was a little unusual about my breasts. I'd heard the expression inverted nipples. I knew Kate Moss actually had them, but I'd never applied it to my boobs, which I actually quite liked. He was lovely about it, as have most partners been since, but it does feel fraught getting naked in front of someone for the first time. Um, I worry they're defective, that I might not be able to breastfeed in future. And to be honest, even the word nipples makes me feel uncomfortable because I know something's not quite right with mine. I have always felt really uncomfortable about my nipples. Um, They're a lot larger than what you see most girls who model and things like that. And I am a model, so I always thought that it was really weird that they were a lot larger. Um, And even like in music, you hear guys talk about gumdrop nipples, which are a lot smaller. Um, So I always was really insecure about that. But lately I've been trying to, you know, embrace my body and it is what it is. You're listening to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? And if you want to get involved online and join in the conversation, our hashtag is AIMYU. So we're super pleased to have Claire O'Neill with us today. Um, Claire was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017, age 33, and is now thankfully in remission. She's a nurse and now works for Copperfield, a breast cancer charity, where she is a healthcare coordinator and sometimes dresses up as a giant boob at festivals as one of the charity's boobets. Claire, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Before you joined the call, we were talking to Emma Lowe, who is an artist who makes these amazing um, plant pots and pen pots that look like boobs. Um, they're they're super fun. They're we we kept saying over and over again. They're all different shapes and colours and sizes. Amazing. We were talking uh, a lot with her about the aesthetic of boobs and body image concerns around boobs. But of course, behind every boob and every nipple, there is a person and a story. So we're really grateful for you to come on today and to share a bit of your personal story with us. Um, I know you were diagnosed with breast cancer really, really young. What, what first alerted you that something might be wrong with health-wise? So I was just um, in the bathroom and I was just looking in the mirror and I noticed a sort of dimple and we often talk about um, orange peel skin. So it's a bit dimply, but it looked like it was being pulled in from the inside, which actually it turns out it was. Um, So I noticed a dimple and then I kind of felt around at the side of my boob and it kind of felt a bit hard. It didn't necessarily feel like a lump, but there was definitely an area of hardness and that kind of obviously scared me. So um, that's how I noticed. I went to my GP um, and my GP felt certain that it couldn't be breast cancer. But he um, fortunately did the right thing and referred me to the breast clinic anyway. It was because I'd previously had um, a chest CT for um, a chest infection at the hospital. And he actually couldn't see that scan because it's a different trust. But that's a whole other story. Um, But he said because I'd had that scan, he said if it was breast cancer, it almost certainly would have been picked up on that scan. Um, It actually turns out that that's not true. When I went to the breast clinic, I spoke to the radiologist And um, he said, no, I'm looking at that scan now and we can't see it on there. Um, So that's one of the kind of 
myths that I try and debunk now in my job when I go and speak to GPs. But the main thing is my GP did the right thing, um, which is he referred me to the breast clinic anyway. And so what was the treatment plan for you? Um, So, well, first of all, um, I was asked by the oncologist if I had children um, and I said no. And she very cleverly said, well, we're going to get you an appointment at the fertility clinic. Um, and that was the first thing that that I had. I had two cycles of IVF to try and harvest some of my eggs because they knew that the treatment would probably make me infertile. They didn't know what it was going to be yet, but a lot of breast cancer treatments do cause infertility. So that was the first thing I had. Um, it was smart of her to not ask me if I wanted children at that point. I know a lot of women might not have but um, it doesn't hurt to have an appointment with the fertility clinic. And at that point, I'd just been told I had breast cancer. So I probably didn't want to have the conversation about whether or not I wanted children at that exact moment. Um, so I had two cycles of IVF um, and we um, made some embryos, me and my husband, and they are now in the freezer at St. Bart's. And then I had surgery. I had about a month of um, daily radiotherapy and then I had Um, hormone therapy which is tablets to reduce the estrogen in my system because my breast cancer was estrogen positive which means it was caused by estrogen um, which meant that I had to have this drug called tamoxifen it reduced the estrogen in my system which essentially kind of put me into a kind of early menopause really and I'm no longer on tamoxifen now so I'm not I don't have any treatment anymore. And how did your kind of treatment and your breast cancer, your experience of it impact? Because, you know, we're talking about as women, what is our relationship with our nipples specifically? I wonder, like, how did this whole experience impact your relationship with your your breasts and with your nipples? Well, it's I think it's a really huge subject, actually, which I think is, you know, it's a really good thing that you guys are doing this podcast. And partly just because in general, there is definitely some gender inequality in healthcare, and across across the board in healthcare, there is um, some health inequality there. And so we don't really always know everything that we need to know about our bodies. Um, But I found that when I was diagnosed, I think probably like a lot of women actually who go through breast cancer, suddenly a lot of my ideas of womanhood were kind of all wrapped up in my boob and what that represented. So, you know, there's breasts are discussed in lots of different contexts, you know, social, sexual, maternal, and obviously me having to have fertility treatment, thinking about whether or not I could breastfeed, thinking about whether or not I would keep my breast, sexuality, um, all of those different things. Um, made me kind of challenge all of those notions of womanhood um, and think about what they really meant to me. So, you know, it is difficult to think about the nipple and divorce that from the breast. Um, But for me, it was really just about, you know, my surgery was, uh, the incision was at the site of my um, areola, which was done for, I guess, aesthetic purposes. So, you know, you couldn't see the scar when it healed. But, you know, my boob changed and it also, of course, dulls all the nerve endings when you have surgery in your breast for whatever reason. Um, Any surgery will dull all the nerve endings. So my nipple isn't as sensitive as the other one. It's still pretty sensitive. So it's not really a huge problem. I think there are much bigger problems when women have breast cancer. Obviously, they're thinking about their life and they're thinking about treatment. And that's obviously our priority. 
But, you know, they're also thinking about bigger things like confidence, how it's going to affect their relationship. And so for me, I was sort of worried in the early stages about whether or not I would kind of feel separated from my boob, if I was ever going to like it again, if I was ever going to feel attractive. I don't really feel that anymore. I've, you know, my, my boob has healed and I kind of feel like it is part of me again. But, you know, there is always that thing of it's, 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 oh, well, I like to say it's got character now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Some signs of breast cancer come from changes in the nipple area, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, all boobs are different. And this is what we say to women all the time. Um, if you, um, you're the expert when it comes to checking your boobs, right? So all because you can get used to maybe you do you have lumpy boobs around your period and maybe you have inverted nipples these are things that people sometimes have right but if you don't usually have inverted nipples and then suddenly you do have an inverted nipple that would certainly be a sign that we would want you to contact your GP if you have any discharge any bleeding any crusting around the nipple these are all potential signs and symptoms of breast cancer so certainly we would um, want people to contact their GP if they had any of those symptoms so we uh, we spoke earlier a lot about body confidence relating to boobs and to nipples. And actually, there was a study out a couple of years ago by Anglia Ruskin University that said if women don't like their boobs or their nipples, then they're less likely to check for signs for breast cancer. What advice would you have for those women? Or is there anything you would tell them about the importance of doing it how do you kind of get over that hurdle you know it's it's tricky because as I mentioned earlier boobs are thought about in lots of different contexts and it's sometimes really hard to just remember that they are just a part of our body you know um but I do say to girls you know your boobs are yours um they they belong to you you should take ownership and responsibility for them it is difficult to get people to engage with their boobs we have had people sort of say to us anecdotally, you know, oh, I don't like to touch my boobs. You know, it's almost as though women sometimes feel like their boobs are for their partners and not for them. So there, there is some really kind of strange relationships out there between women and their boobs, and it is difficult to try and get that across. Um, it doesn't help that we do have that kind of problem with seeing the female nipple as an obscene image or whatever, as though it's a, you know, so it's genitals, which it isn't. Um, but... I guess it's just about people um, taking responsibility for their own health, ultimately. In really practical terms, how should you check your breasts? Do you have any tips for how you're meant to feel? Do you like start from the bottom and go to the top? I kind of feel like breasts are naturally a bit bobbly and lumpy, or maybe that's just me overshare. So how do you know what a normal bit of boob gristle is compared to something that's problematic yeah it is hard because the thing is we don't want um people to feel signs and symptoms or uh, see signs and symptoms of breast cancer in their boobs because we hope that they're never going to have any you know the chances are you're never going to have any so it is tricky and before I had breast cancer myself I would have thought the same thing you know every so often I would have thought is this a lump or is this what is this the more that you do it, the more you get used to what your normal is. I've had surgery on my boob now, so I have to get used to a new normal. It's scary at first because I think, oh, is that a hard area? For me now, it's scar tissue. I know that's scar tissue. So all boobs are different. That's the important thing. 
In terms of actually checking, we don't say that there's a specific technique that you should be using for checking your boobs. The only rules I would say is to make sure that you're doing it properly. So again, it's not just about feeling, it's about looking in the mirror as well, checking right up to your collarbone and under your armpit where there can also be signs and symptoms um, and just being aware of what those signs and symptoms are. It's not just a lump, it can be um, anything that's unusual, you know, you should probably get checked out with your GP. So things like dimples, Um, Some women who have had breast cancer have said anecdotally that one boob just suddenly felt very hard compared with the other one. They couldn't necessarily feel lump, but it was just hard. So that's the kind of message that I would want to get across really to women is if you are aware and you're doing it regularly and you know your boobs and you know the signs and symptoms of breast cancer, then you're doing it properly. We often get questions from pregnant women and that can be much harder to determine what is changes in pregnancy um, and what could be a sign or a symptom of breast cancer. Breast cancer in pregnancy is rare, but it does happen. So we still want women to be checking um, and actually pregnant women who get diagnosed with breast cancer actually get diagnosed later. Um, And we also know that black women get diagnosed later than white women. And there are lots of, you know, multifactorial reasons why that might be. But I'm very interested and Copperfield are very interested in those reasons and trying to address those health inequalities. Thank you so much, Claire. That's so informative. You're Um, welcome. We have one question that we put to each of our podcast guests, which we'd love you to answer, obviously. The question is... What makes you uncomfortable? I mean, I, I make myself uncomfortable, Bregan. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I have that very awkward combination of being, I'd say, probably fairly outspoken person with really bad anxiety. So I have a really bad foot in mouth problem quite a lot of the time. So I would say the answer to your question is I make myself uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Claire, that's. A great answer. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Claire. Thanks so much for having me on. You've just listened to Am I Making You Uncomfortable? And our hashtag is AIMYU. A huge thank you to Emma Lowe and Claire O'Neill for joining us on today's podcast. I'm Rachel Moss and you can find me at rachelmoss underscore... And I'm Brogan Driscoll and you can follow me at Brogan underscore Driscoll. This podcast is produced by Crystal Genesis and our sound engineer is Nag Karinde. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.